It's great to be here with you all. Um, excited to share with you. It's been um, an interesting journey to get to this message for me, actually. Uh, I, but I have kind of, today it's going to be a little bit buffet style, okay? So before we get started, I'm going to kind of share a little bit about, about us or some of our journey, some of the things we're seeing in the nations, and I'm going to bring some scriptures that I think that the Lord is speaking to me for you guys um, in the theme of rest and um, the theme that you guys have for Selah for this summer. So if you don't mind, I'll just get into it, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we're, we're going to get on it. Um, so my family and I, we left Salt Lake City in 2003 to go to Indonesia and to serve with an organization called World Outreach International. Um, I think we'll have a slide up there. And our organization exists to evangelize and disciple unreached people groups, equipping them to disciple, their, their, to be discipled and to disciple their own, right? To make, uh, man, <laughs> equipping them to disciple their own and other people. What a day. Um, And it, it's been an exciting journey for us as a family um, to be involved in this. So our organization, we um, specialize, we use an acronym called REACH to define what we do, to describe what we do. So we run a lot of programs for raising leaders, um, next generation leaders for the gospel to continue to go forth. Evangelism and church planning, that is our bread and butter. That's what we love. That is what we are about, evangelizing and making disciples. Um, all nations mobilization, um, working with the whole church for the church, that we are mobilize everybody into missions. We all have a call into missions. We all have a purpose into missions. God can use each and every one of us for that. We run children's ministries from a variety of different perspectives, from schools and health clinics um, to children's homes to youth hostels to you know, a variety of different ways to engage children. Um, the children are the future of the church, um, and so we want to invest in them significantly to see the kingdom continue to expand. And then humanitarian aid, we do a lot of work around the world in a variety of different ways. Our mission has approximately about 270 plus mission workers. Um, it's a, we are a very diverse body of mission workers. We are actually 65% um, majority world, which means we are 65% non-Western as a mission organization, only 35% of the organization made up of Westerners. Um, so it's a unique blend of people from around the world coming together to lift God up amongst the nations. We have about 650 plus national workers in the different teams that we work with. And we work in 70 different nations, 165 plus people groups. And that is where we are at right now. But our goal moving forward is that by 2025, we believe that we'll be engaged with 300 people groups. So we want to double the amount of engagement of where we're going with the gospel. For those that don't know about people groups, maybe, let me just help you. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But an unreached people group is an ethno-linguistic group that's separate from another group. So they, and they are their own. They have their own identity. They have their own customs, their own cultures, their own language, their own ways of living, operating, and doing things. In the world today, there's approximately 17,000 unreached people groups, or sorry, people groups. And of that 17,000, there's about 7,000 that are consider, still considered unreached. And by unreached, that means there is not enough believers in that community to advance the gospel on their own. They need outside catalyst missionaries, people who will go and help build the church, help share the gospel. 
So that's what we do. That's what we are about as an organization. We are about unreached people groups, people who do not have access to the gospel to have access to the gospel. We want to see every tribe and nation reach to the glory of God. And, we, and to put that into perspective on some of these people groups, we started a new team in Indonesia a few years back, and it is a people group of 8 million. In the island of Sumatra, a people group of 8 million. Above those 8 million, there's 1,000 known believers. So that's one believer for every 8,000 people. There is no way you're going to meet another believer at that type of ratio. So we have to continue to go and make disciples. We have to involve them, teach them, disciple them how to do it themselves. But we have to continually raise up people like us who have had access to the gospel, who know Jesus, who've had relationship with Jesus to send them out and to go so that they can go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all the commands of Jesus, Matthew 28, right? That's what we're about. Um, so there's a few ways that we do this um, that you can learn about it. I know Antioch. Antioch's got a great mission arm, so I'm not going to challenge them or nothing. I actually have really good friends in Antioch. I um, actually work out with um, some of your member care teams within the city that we live in. Um, we have a great relationship with them. But go. Find a way that you can go. You can learn how to go. Maybe there's a people group that God's put on your heart. Do go. Go. Give. Everybody needs money. Everybody needs resources to go. And one way that God has called us to be involved in missions is to give into missions, is to sow into it. Maybe he's called you to be a worker, whatnot, here in the city. But sow into the kingdom, man. Invest. Pray. We're currently trying to raise up 10,000 people to be praying every single day for unreached people groups in the world. There are so many people groups. People, almost 3 billion people considered unreached still. This is a spiritual activity, it's a spiritual endeavor, and we must embrace it and attack it from a spiritual perspective. So we need prayer. So sign up for prayer, join your prayer. Learn our website. Um, I'll give you a little link to our website in a moment. We have a lot of resources where you can learn. Learn how to do ministry um, amongst unreached people groups right here in the city. Salt Lake City is a refugee city. We know this. There's people from all sorts of unreached people groups living right here. You might even be neighbors with them. We have resources on our website to help you engage with them, help you to learn how you could um, be, be you know, that gospel witness to them, to invite them into knowing Jesus. Who knows what will come from that? And we have other, a bunch of other resources on there. I lead a podcast on there on missions and what it is to unreached people groups if you're interested in learning more about missions. And then send. I know this is Ascending Church. I know the houses have been sent out of here to Thailand recently. They're actually going to stay in our apartment this week <laughs> um, Why they have to do a visa run. So send them well, guys. It is lonely. It is hard. It is difficult. They need your support. Engage with them. I'm going to advocate for them. Engage with them. Text them. WhatsApp them. Read their emails. <laughs> Respond to the emails that they send out as newsletters. I tell you what, nothing's more discouraging than spending time writing an email for people who want to say, who say, hey, I want to learn what you're doing, and they never respond. Please respond to them, engage with them, support them, send them well. Um, so we have resources on our website in this for that as well. So here is a QR code if you want to learn more about our organization, learn about some of these resources that are available. Out there in that area by the front door, there's two tables. Um, 
There's some magazines from our organization um, and some QR codes to sign up for either this or our newsletter or some other things. So um, feel free to do that. We'll be out there in the back to talk with you guys and connect. We love talking missions. We love um, talking about what God is doing around the world. So that's my little blurb about our organization and what we do. Um, I want to now just share a little bit. I mean, there's going to be a photo of my family. You guys know Lydia. Um, I might cry. <laughs> I want to thank you guys as a community, as a church, for welcoming her in, for allowing her to grow, for being family to her, allowing her to access her gifts and be involved. It was great to see all the young families here worshiping and stuff. We left Utah when we were 24 years old, and she was 18 months in our arm. And then we sent her back here two years ago, 2020, in the midst of a global pandemic. All of our plans, my wife was going to come back, help her get settled, be here. But instead, we sent her back in what was felt like and uh, an uh, uh, end times movie. <laughs> we drove five hours to drop her off at, you know, a major international airport, completely empty. Only lights above one desk where they were checking in. Actually, Christina, the, the, there's a girl here who went to high school with her, and they actually were on the same flights. We actually, they all left that country at the same time. You drive out to the airport, it's normally lights, busy, tens and thousands of people. It's a major airport, right? We go there. There might be 100 people in the whole airport. It's dark. There's no lights on. And we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> we're surrendering our child. We're sending them across. We do have family here, which is great. But it is hard to send your child across the globe in uncertain times, in a pandemic, not knowing. So thank you. Thank you for welcoming her. Thank you, her friends. It's been great to meet you guys and spend time with you. But thank you. Um, we're really, really blessed as a family that she's in a church like this who is glorifying God and desires to see people grow and to come into relationship with God, to see them grow into the fullness of what God has for them, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So thank you guys for being a great community to her. Yeah. So I get this wonderful privilege of being in missions, working among the nations, seeing what God is doing in the world. And we are currently coming out of this global pandemic. And in different places, we're at different stages of coming out. Um, where we lived, we were locked down and closed down significantly longer than a lot of other places. And it's been a hard thing to navigate. And one of the things that I've been seeing, so with my current role within our organization, I lead all of our field ministries um, from training, from new ministry engagement, from our field leaders to our member care team. So that's my responsibility. So I get the privilege of traveling around normally pre-COVID, travel a lot, now just starting to come out of COVID. And what I'm seeing as I travel around, I was in Indonesia, I was in Kenya, I was in South Africa over the last two months. There is a languishing. There is a sense that 
we are not there yet. People still have some life. They still have some sense of purpose, but they're not thriving. As a people, we're not thriving. And um, Adam Grant, uh, an organizational psychologist, some of you guys might have heard him. He's written some pretty famous books. He wrote an article in the New York Times describing languishing. And he says it's this, languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. I don't know about you guys, but as I've gone around, this is where a lot of people are. We're not quite alive yet. We're not kind of back to where we were. We're not thriving yet. Languishing is somewhere in the middle of, if you're far right, perfect health is thriving, and then on the far left, perfect health is burnout and depression, we're somewhere in the middle cavity, not really doing great. And that's not the position God has for us, or not the position God wants us to live in or to be in. And um, in Jeremiah 31, 25, there's this context of the people of Israel being reunited, coming back into covenant and a new covenant with, with God. And there's this time of repentance. There's this time of he's restoring things to them, bringing rest to them. And he says, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. We serve a God that wants to replenish us. We serve a God that does not want us languishing through life like we're just in a fog and we're just moving along. He wants us to thrive. And he wants to replenish our souls. And the way we replenish our souls is by rest, is by drawing close to him, by drawing into him, by abiding in him, by drawing out from him, by spending time with him. So that's what we're going to continue. We're going to continue talking into your theme of Selah, of rest, of remembering. I loved, um, we, I came here when Murray spoke on remembering And he talked about Joshua 4 and the stones of remembrance. I can tell you over the last 20 years of being in ministry and being in leadership, we have done that so many times with our teams. We grab literal stones, we get markers, and we start writing things that we've seen God do to us, and we stack them up in the middle of the table, and we remember. Because we don't have strength without remembering the works of God in our lives. We cannot endure hardship unless we remember the promises that he's fulfilled in our lives, his faithfulness to be with us, to journey with us, to carry us, to sustain us. Such a great word. And this idea of exalting because, man, no one else is worthy. There's no other higher calling to be a part of. He's worthy. Now we're going to talk about surrender, and we're going to talk about trust these next couple weeks as you guys carry on. Surrender, rest. Let's pray. God, we know you're here. Holy Spirit, we know you're here. We know you're speaking to us. We know you're stirring in our hearts. We know that you are calling us into rest so that we might thrive, so that we might know you, so that you might be glorified in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our state, in our nation, and in the nations of the world. Speak tonight, Lord. 
Speak through me and give me your words that I might represent you well and your truth well. In Jesus' name. The scripture talks about us as we come into relationship with Jesus that rivers of living water through, will, throw, will flow from our lives, right? Living water. And people will come and they will drink of this living water. But if that river is not clean, if that river is not whole, we cannot give living water to people. Dallas Willard, and maybe you might know him, he's a theologian, he tells this story, and I'm just going to read it to you because I think it's a great little story to consider. There was once a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the ear and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam on it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as the keeper of the springs. He had been hired long ago that now no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water, but his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyways. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer, and giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury that could no longer afford. So the old man left his post, high in the mountains. The springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed, but after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew the children to play by it. Some people in the town grew old and ill. All noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams. And the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened. The money was found and the old man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were cleaned. The stream was pure. Children played again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health. The swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of the village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. May our lives flow clean with living water that others can come and drink. We have to keep our souls clean. And we do that by partnering with the Holy Spirit. We do that by taking these periods of Selah, of introspection, of remembering, of stopping, of pausing, of nurturing our soul. If we do not nurture our soul, we cannot stand the test of time. We will not endure. So this idea of rest 
is particularly interesting. It's particularly interesting as a missionary, as a mission leader. Um, because if we don't take rest, Mark Buchanan says this, if you don't take a rest, um, your soul, will, uh, no Sabbath or embracing the rest will make your soul like soil never left fallow, hard and dry and spent. For missionaries in particular, um, the statistics around wholeness and wellness and mental health is pretty astonishing. The Reverend George Patton Jr., he says this, the statistics are scary. 80% of missionaries burn out and don't finish their term. 46% of missionaries have been diagnosed with psychological issue. And of those, 87% are diagnosed with depression. Sobering, scary, that the people that we are sending out to be the light of the world, 87% don't even finish. One other study amongst missionaries found that um, Holmes and Ray, a study on stress, found that on an average stress score, the average citizen lives about, is about 200 points. They have a scale point. And if they, they're given of that in the given year, the cumulative stress had an impact well beyond the year. They found that 50% of those scoring 200 points were hospitalized within the subsequent two years for heart attacks, diabetes, cancer, and other severe illness. The average cross-cultural worker, read missionary, scores around 600 points on average, with around 800 to 900 points their first year in ministry. So as a missionary, they're saying that the baseline is 400 points above the high stress level of an average person. You cannot sustain your life in ministry by doing it on your own by doing it without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, by doing it without, without taking Selah, without taking rest, without taking Sabbath, without living a life surrendered to God, to the pace of God. Because missionaries, and probably many of us, we get a Messiah complex. We believe that we're out there to save the world, that God has given us stuff to do and we're gonna do it and we're gonna accomplish it in our strength, our own power, and our own ability. That's not how it works. We can sow, someone else can water, but God causes the growth. It's not by mind, it's not by spirit, but it's by, by the Lord, the spirit of the Lord that does it, right? We can't do it. Psalm 131, right? Um, the idea that um, unless, the, uh, unless God builds the house, the builder labors in vain. We can do as much as we can do in our own strength, but we will labor in vain. We will not get it unless we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, unless we're surrendered to his ways, to his purposes, to how he works. Now, surrender is a military term. It means giving up control. It means saying, I don't have this. I can't do it. It is about ending thriving and fighting for our own rights, for our own desires, for our own purposes. Spiritual surrender is an act of faith. It is the first act to those coming to salvation and a continual habit of those walking in Christ. To spiritually surrender means to let go and to trust God. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the in the Son of by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In the Message Bible, I'm not a huge fan of it. It's too poetic for me. I just like to straight shoot. Um, but some people really enjoy it. And I think it's a, this is a good one. It says, Christ's life showed me how enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our life is not our own. We have been bought with a price. Now we get this opportunity to live from that perspective. But most of us, myself included, still want to be in control. We still want to do it our ways. We are not willing to give up. And therefore, because we are not willing, we heap all of this extra pressure, all of this extra stress. We try and control. We try and fight. We try and control our children. We can try and control our, our careers. We can try and control everything around us, our image, what people think of us. And we can't do it. It's impossible. And besides that, our earthly life is not all that valuable. It is temporary. The things that matter is eternal. And so if we just continue to sow and we try and control that which is here now, temporary, we wear ourselves out. We can't do it. But there's a better way. There's another way. There's the Jesus way. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, we read it like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my, yokes upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The context of this scripture is a ton of religious rules being imposed on people. We're talking about a ton of rules. The Torah has, just so I get it accurate, 613 laws under the Torah. And then the Jewish leaders, just for an extra measure, decided to put in this, the oral law of the Mishnah, which is another 1,500 rules. So I'm not great at math, but that's about 2,100 rules that they had to follow to be able to appear righteous, to be able to appear holy, to be able to appear in control of their lives. We put rules and boundaries up there to try and control, but we never win when we try and control because God is the one in control. We are not in the one to control. We don't have the power to be in control. It reads like this in the message version. Wow, two, two in a sermon. That's pretty good for me. Um, are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforged rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So good. Recover your life. Walk with Jesus. Learn how he does it. We try and do it ourselves. We try and do missions in ourselves. We try and go and speak and learn a language and share the gospel to people who have no interest in the gospel in our own power, and it does not work. It doesn't. But we have to walk with Jesus. We have to be yoked with Jesus. That idea of walking with him in unison, in power with him. When they yoke oxen, when they yoke horses together, a single horse can pull 800 pounds. You would think a pair of horses could pull um, 1,600, but it's not. It's 2,400. And then when they're working together and they've worked how to walk in unison, it actually becomes 3,200. It's four times the force when we learn to walk in unison. And so for us, are we walking in unison or are we trying to do it in our own strength? Are we trying to walk with Jesus, to walk with him, to be led by him? The yoke was an instrument that you put an old ox next to a young ox so he could be discipled. He could be trained on how to sow the field. Work with me, walk with me, watch how I do it. There is a rhythm that God wants us to sustain in our lives so that we can be healthy. And it's not from control because we can't do it in ourselves. It's become with him. So it's a little bit like taking a dog on a leash, you know, out for a walk. You know, you, you ever done that? And they just pull and they just pull and they just run. And it's a miserable experience for us. For everybody involved, the dog's like, and they're dying. And you're like, stupid dog, come back here, you know. And it's miserable. But when we learn to walk with God in unison, it's powerful. My wife and I just had this privilege of taking tango lessons. Um, it was something else. Um, <laughs> we are not dancers. We don't have rhythm. We got nothing. But it was fun. I love you. Um, and we were trying to dance. And I don't know if you know this, but in the dance and in the tango, the male is supposed to lead. We could not figure out how to get our steps to work. I was stepping on her toes. She was stepping on my toes. A nice date night was supposed to start, you know, losing that nice date night feel. And we just had to stop and we had to pause and wait, what are we doing? We're having fun together. We're learning this out. We're trying to figure this out, how to tango. It's a little bit like that with us and God. Most of us have to learn how to walk with him, how to dance with him. We need to allow the spirit to be our dance partner, the one leading the dance of our lives, to walk, to move. I can't tell you the moves because I, I really didn't get it. Um, but it's about movement. It's about being in unison. It's about being together, sensing and feeling. And that's what we see Jesus doing. The scriptures talk about Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places to reconnect with God. He drew away so he could spend time with his father. We know Jesus said, I only do the things the father has shown me to do. Can we say the same? In our work, in our career, in our parenting choices, 
Are we spending time asking God, how do we do this? Being renewed in his presence, are we dancing with him through our day? I know I'm not always doing it, <laughs> but it's something that I want to. And that's an act of surrender, to allow him to lead our lives and not us leading our own lives. We have to surrender to his will, to his desire. Because without that, we can't dance the dance of life with him. He's got a beautiful dance for us. He's got a beautiful rhythm for us to live our lives at. That is not rushed. It is not hurried. It is not forced. When we force things, we break things. But when we move gently and with him in his timing, in his peace, in his pace, we dance a beautiful dance. We dance a life that glorifies him. Because we're not rushed. We're not hurried. We're not scattered and frenzied. But we're at a pace that is sustainable for the long haul that people can walk with us in. Because we're here to love people. We're here to love God and to love people. That's what he's called us to do. When you boil it down, love God, exalt him, be with him, spend your time with him. Love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love well when you are not healthy. You just don't do it. When you're self-absorbed, when you're drawn into everything around your life about making the most money, about being the most beautiful person, about working out all the time, about this and about that, trying to control everything, you do not love well because you are focused on yourself and not on others. So we work in this rhythm of grace with God. We walk with him. We watch him. What is he doing? And then we dance that dance with him. Surrender is an act of obedience to God. He leads, we follow. He speaks, we obey. The, act of, the, the demonstration of maturity of a believer is not on how much head knowledge we have, how much Bible we've memorized, but it's how much do we live and obey the commands of Christ. Do we demonstrate in our life? That is pure wisdom. That is true wisdom. When our lives and the scripture, they align, they are meshed, that is obedience. That is spiritual maturity. And we get that when we walk with him in unison, in step. Not adding more and not doing less. It is work. We work with God. We, yoked, we are yoked with God. We are on mission with God. Whether it's me in the nations, whether it's you here, we are on mission with God. We all have a role to play in his kingdom. And to be able to play that role that he has for us, we need to be healthy. We need to be in a good place. Our souls need to be kept. And we keep our souls by focusing on him, by abiding in him, John 15, where we get life from being connected to him, where he instills life where his Holy Spirit comes and moves and ministers to us so that we can bear fruit, abundant fruit, fruit that will last. And we move when we do that. We move from just being a slave as it finishes in that end of that passage and a servant of God to being God's friend. Jesus says, you're no longer my slave or my servant. You are now my friend because you know the plans, you know the will that I have. 
But we learn that and we do that when we walk, when we surrender to him to allow him to be control of our life, when we journey with him. That journey is real, it's not easy. It takes time. And just like learning how to do dance steps, we're gonna get out of rhythm. We're gonna get out of control. We're not gonna make the right steps. We're not gonna do the right things. And for many of us, we need times of refreshing. We need times of God bringing us back into step, coming back into yoke with him, back into his rhythm, back into what he has for us. And to do that requires repentance. We all need to repent of different things, of different times, of different things. But it says in Acts um, 19, or 319, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing may come to the Lord when we repent. Now, some of us, we might just be a little bit out of tune. We might just be a little bit out of step. We're, we're not missing all the steps. We're not in full, re- but we are out of step because we are trying to lead the dance. We're not allowing him to lead us, to guide us. And there's a time of repentance that's needed from us. Say, God, forgive me for trying to control my life. Forgive me for striving, for fighting for everything, that I don't surrender to you, that I'm not yoked with you, that I'm not walking with you in your grace, in your timing, in the things that you have for me because I'm fighting for my own. But you've bought me with the price and now I should be laying it down for you, not taking control. Some of you in this room, I don't know everybody. Some of you might have never committed your life to Jesus before. You might never have surrendered your life to Jesus. And tonight, there's going to be an opportunity for that, to surrender your life to Jesus. Because there's no other way unto salvation unless you surrender to him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He came to bring each one of us abundant life. And we only get abundant life when we abide in him, when we rest in him, when we walk with him, when we follow his patterns, his ways. When we put him first and put ourselves second, he must increase, we must decrease. And so as we close tonight, we're going to take a time of repentance. We're going to repent for trying to control our own selves, for our own lives that we tried to lead the dance instead of allowing Jesus to lead the dance of our lives. Instead of allowing the things that he wants to make beautiful, we, we, we cause them to not be beautiful because we're not in tune with him, that our life is not living waters for other people, that we're not taking care of our soul by being with him. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So stand with me, please. If that's you, we're going to make this space in the front just to, if you want to come and you want to just say, God, I need to get right. I need to get back in tune with you. I want to be your dance partner again. I want to be yoked with you and walk in your rhythms of grace. We'd love to pray for you. If, if you are new here and you don't know Jesus and you want to learn how to become a follower of Jesus, there's elders teams going to be around over here and you can come and talk to someone and they'll introduce you to Jesus who will change your life so you don't have to strive and fight any longer. If you want to learn and you think you have a call for missions or to the nations, I'd love to pray for you. We can do it over here or in the back over there outside afterwards. But we're going to take a few minutes now and we're going to surrender ourselves again to Jesus. We're going to surrender our hearts to him. We're going to surrender our lives to him. We're going to surrender our careers, our education, the things that we strive for, that we fight for. We're going to expect him to move and to refresh our souls, that we would learn his unforced rhythm of grace. Holy Spirit, we invite you now. Continue to your work. God, we confess that we try and fight, that we try and control, that we try and keep up appearances, that we try and do everything in our own might, but we are not capable. Only you, only when we're yoked with you, only when we come away with you and we learn to walk with you, will we truly find rest for our souls. Holy Spirit, convict us, show us right now where we might be striving, where we might be fighting, where we might be trying to maintain control, and where we have not surrendered to you. We want to surrender to you. We want to come under your yoke, which fits us perfectly, to learn from you, to walk with you. So we repent now so that times of refreshing can come to us. Bring us back into alignment that we walk in your grace. We surrender all to you, our whole lives. Spirit, come and be. Come and be the dance partner with us. Lead us in this dance of life that we might have life abundantly with you.